Thank you for joining us today on Positively Charged Biz. We are here to motivate, inspire, and support our listeners as they write their life stories. We are a proud founding member of the Real Disrupt Podcast Collaborative, and you can check out more awesome podcasts at realdisrupt.com. Good day, everyone. I hope you are having a positive and productive day. The last few months have certainly shown us that you can't rest on your laurels and you have to continue to develop your skills in business and in life. Today, we have a very special guest that is going to share his expertise in smart calling. Allow me to introduce you to Art Subcheck. Over the last 30 years, he has helped salespeople say the right things to get through, get in, and sell, primarily using the phone. The most effective way to sell is still humans speaking with humans. And even now, it's more important in the evolving new normal. And he helps them get to conversational, non-salesy way. In his most flagship book, Smart Calling, How to Eliminate the Fear, Failure, and Rejection from Cold Calling, and the updated new third edition is being released at the end of June, Art has received the Lifetime Achievement Award from the American Association of Inside Sales Professionals for his service to the profession. Art, on Positively Charged, we like to start at the beginning. So please tell us, how did you get your start in sales. All right. Well, hey, Laura, first of all, thank you for having me on. It's a, it's a privilege to be here. And to answer your question, I always like to say that everybody is born a salesperson. I mean, think about it. All kids are great salespeople. Some people just choose not to make that their profession. But to answer the question about my first paid sales job, I was 13 years old and I got on a bus with a buddy who was older than me. He was 15. And we went into downtown Omaha and we got hired working at a boiler room telemarketing company, Hmm. selling tickets to the police, the Fraternal Order of Police fundraiser circus. And this was way back in the day when we would take pages out of a phone book for our younger listeners here, you might want to Google that. And we would just simply call people up, make calls and sell tickets to this fundraiser, which in retrospect was probably a scam. I'm not even sure there was a circus, but I realized at a pretty young age that I was really good at that. My voice had changed at the time. And then it seemed like I gravitated towards telemarketing type jobs all throughout high school and then into college into to more professional sales jobs and then just continued at it. So there's a, there's a long answer to a short question. I love that. I love that because, and I think you're right. Let's go back to a couple of things you said. You said, if you think about it, every child has the ability to sell or the ability to negotiate or the ability to convince mom and dad or grandma and grandpa, you know, what they want and why, right? And in time, as we get older, we start second-guessing ourselves, right? We start saying, oh, well, maybe that's not a good idea, or maybe someone will think, you know, wrong of me. So what do you think is the difference 
of people like yourself that have taken on this ability to have just conversations, right? And be able to explain to someone why it's in their best interest to go to the circus or buy this or buy that or order this or get this service. What do you think that difference is? Well, if, if you look at kids, we we should emulate a lot of the things that they do because I think we we forget it over time. You're right. People start second guessing themselves. They start doubting themselves. They start fearing things. Kids are fearless, right? Kids are insensitive to the no's. They'll get a no and then they'll just keep asking and they're not afraid to ask. And uh, I mean, my kids are grown and they still need, they, they still know how to ask for the money. <laughs> so and I think what happens is that people just start listening to other people. They care too much about what other people think. Uh, they let that fear of uh, the no, uh, actually they, they, they tell themselves different stories about what that no means. They tell themselves that, oh, I was rejected as opposed to that was something that just didn't work right now, right? And and that and I get into that in the book. Uh, one of the biggest deterrents to people picking up the phone or even getting into sales is, oh my gosh, the fear of rejection, which really is kind of a crock when you think about it, because rejection is not an experience. It's always the way you define the experience. And if you look at other professions, an accountant, for example, when something doesn't work, the accountant doesn't say, oh, I got rejected by that spreadsheet. Right. <laughs> True. It was, it was just something that didn't work. So in sales, if if we get a no, we can look at it. Let's just change the story we tell ourselves. Okay, well, maybe it wasn't a fit right at this point. And then we can ask ourselves, what did I gain from this? Well, at least I know they're not a prospect. At least I asked this question. At least I know when their contract expires, when their renewal date is up. And then I can say, well, at least I got a win. At least I attempted this or at least I accomplished this. And then at the end of the day, instead of saying I got rejected 20 times, you can say, well, at least I accomplished my secondary objective 20 times. And I accomplished my primary being I got the appointment three or four times. That's a lot better than saying, again, I got rejected 20 times. Can't wait to do it again tomorrow. Exactly. And I think we also have to take out the fact of it's not personal. Just because someone may not have a need for that product or service or whatever it is you're communicating on doesn't mean that they don't like you or it's that it's a personal attack of rejection on you because it's not. It's not at all. Okay. So last couple of months, we all know it's been very different. And, I, you know, I speak to lots and lots of people in my industry, in the mortgage business. And the biggest thing people have said is, well, we've had to learn how to do business differently. Okay. We're not able to sit across the table and maybe take a mortgage application from a borrower or family that we're working with. We're having to do Zoom calls or we're having to pick up the phone and communicate. I can't just go wandering into the realtor's office, you know, and have a conversation. So we've seen a lot of people having to make these changes and adjustments. And like you said, there's there's a lot of negative connotations about, oh, I'm afraid to pick up the phone or I don't know how to approach it. Let's get right into it. 
give us some advice, give us some insights at how to change that narrative in our own brains to be able to realize that it's the forever the phone will be there forever. It doesn't matter what year it is. It will always be there. Well, it, it's interesting, Mark, because when, when I first started in business, my, my first corporate job was with AT&T, the old yeah. AT&T, when there was just one phone company back in the day. And again, I was in what they call the Bell System Telemarketing Center, which is a professional uh, call center, if you will, but we were calling business to business. And then I left there and started my company, which essentially was a training company to, to help people use the phone in, in business to business inside sales is what we, what we call it now. Now it's being called remote sales or yeah, the, the, the names have changed, but bottom line, it's still using the phone to talk to a, another human being. So it, it's, it's interesting now that people are being forced to do it who really hadn't done it in the past and they're looking for a shortcut and they're trying to be a keyboard jockey and you know send emails and emails and, uh, and, and all that due to the fact that they really just didn't know how to or want to have a, a phone conversation with someone, but yet they think nothing of having a phone conversation with a, a friend, right? And really it just gets back to this, the stories that we, we tell ourselves. Why, why would somebody be afraid to do it? And uh, again, some of it might be rooted in the fear of the unknown, the, the fear of, again, that thing they call rejection. So as again, like I always say, change the story you tell yourself about what happens to you when you do place the phone call. Most things that we fear are never going to happen anyway. And then the other way to, to get confident at anything is to become competent. Mm -hmm. And the way we become competent is go out and fill our minds with what are people doing who are already doing what I want to do? What are they doing to be successful at it? And that is him. And there's more information available to us than at any point in history. Free information, by the way. Certainly, I, I'd love people to go out and, and buy the book and learn how to, to smart call effectively. But you don't even need to do that. I mean, you can go online and you know YouTube and Google and and get all kinds of great information on on sales and and prospecting and overcoming any fear that that you might possibly have. But really, there's there's no shortcut. I mean, there's no secret sauce. It's doing the right things to get the result that we want. And, and notice I said doing it, not just mm -hmm. reading about it. So we have to do it. And in the process, we're going to experience the things that may not be the outcome that we're looking for. But then what we have to do is change the story we tell ourselves about what is that? It was an experience. It was a thing. One of my mentors and coaches is uh, Jim Fortin, who's a transformational coach. And one of his favorite sayings is, nothing has meaning till I give it meaning. True. Because a no is just a no. You can take two people. One will be devastated by it and say, oh, my God, I got rejected. <laughs> the other person's going to say, well, it wasn't a right fit with that prospect right now. And now I have somebody that I don't need to follow up with. All right. So same experience, two different interpretations. Absolutely. So going with it, and and it's so interesting how these cycles come and change and, and all of that, because a year ago, all you read online was cold calling is dead. The phone is dead. It's don't even bother, you know, reaching out to anyone in that way. And then, of course, something like coronavirus and a pandemic and everyone is separated. And then it's like, wait a minute. I truly believe it will always be there. But what are your thoughts and what's your opinion on that? 
Well, anytime I hear cold calling is dead, I, I equate that to if somebody said uh, electricity is dead. It <laughs> right. <exist anymore. laughs> the, the sun comes up in the West. Okay. Because the fact is, is that if, if you want to start an argument online and get a lot of interaction, mm -hmm. just go out and say, hey, is cold calling dead? Then, of course, you're going to have both sides jumping in. But if somebody is already doing it successfully, and if hundreds of thousands of people are doing it successfully, how could it be dead? <laughs> so I always discount anytime somebody says that. And then what I do is I go look at what are they selling? Right. Okay? And normally they're preying upon the fears who are uh, of the people who are afraid to pick up the phone. All right. Now, here's what's dead. The cold part is dead. Right. And the cold has been dead a long time. And I define cold calling as somebody picking up the phone, calling somebody that they don't know, who doesn't know them, calling them unannounced. OK, there's no previous communication there. And then they're giving them a pitch, the same exact pitch that they gave to the 10 people before that they're going to give to the 10 people after that is not personalized. It's not customized. It's not relevant to the individual that they want to speak with. Now, today, more than ever, we need to be relevant simply because we all are being bombarded with thousands of messages per day. Actually, mm -hmm. I, I did. I started doing some research on this. And depending on the study you look at, we're hit with anywhere from 300 to 3000 messages per day of all types. Wow. Obviously, we only respond to a couple, if any. And which ones are those? The ones that appeal to us personally. Mm -hmm. That's all about us. And the way to do that, of course, today is use technology, use the tools available to us. With, with a few keystrokes, I can find out a lot of information about people, organizations, situations, and then I can take it a step further. As I, I've taught for many years, we can do this thing called social engineering, mm -hmm. which is calling somebody else within an organization for the sole purpose of asking questions to gather more sales intelligence ah. in real time so that I can find out about what's going on in their world. And the reason I do all this is so that when I put my messaging together for you, Laura, it's going to be about what's going on in your world and how what I have might be of some possible value to you for the sole purpose of getting you to lean in saying, hmm, this yep. might be of interest to me. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying to do. And people who don't do that have really zero chance of getting through. And therefore, that's why the cold is dead. But the calling certainly is not. Yeah. And I'm really glad you explained it that way, because I think that's everything that you said was so on point, because you are 100% correct. And I, I've actually used this analogy, but it's like going up to a woman at the bar and literally saying, here's my hotel key. Come, let's go. Like you can't go from zero to 60 immediately. You have to get to know that person and understand why they would need or why what you have for them is of value to them. And you're correct. In the year 2020, shame on you if you don't have that connection because it's so easy. I mean, you can find out so much information with a keystroke, like you said. So there is no excuse for going out there and just doing the same script over and over and over, thinking that what you say to me is going to be the same thing that would work if I was to call you. It's probably two different conversations. 
And yeah, I, I love your example. I, <laughs> it's I, true. I, actually, I do something similar. And uh, of course, I always have guys in the audience who right. say, oh, wait, that doesn't work. But, uh, <laughs> actually, let, let me give you a business example of this. Right before we started recording here, I checked my email. And, and by the way, bad pitches on email oh. are still bad pitches. I mean, technology has just made bad pitches more prevalent. So I opened up my email and I have a podcast and I get pitched like you probably do mm -hmm. almost every day from these agents who want to book somebody on your podcast. Yep. Like, hey, I've got this great guest for you. Well, if they, if any of these people actually looked at my lineup of guests and my topics, or even, God forbid, listen to some of the shows, they wouldn't be pitching a lot of these people. And the one I just got, I swear, this one takes the cake. The pitch started out like most of them do. Hey, I've got some great guests for you. And they mentioned the person's name. And this person, da 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 And here's the interesting thing, Laura. I had this guy on three weeks ago. Ah. Oh. <laughs> would have taken the time to even look at my show in the past episodes they would have seen that so that's an example of a dumb cold outreach absolutely and i think that's great this is a very very valuable conversation because this is where we need to fine tune this is where we need to be smart about how we go about this because the days of ripping the you know, the page out of the yellow pages or the white pages um, and actually just going through there, it doesn't exist anymore for a reason. We're in a, in a world where you have endless information and opportunity out there and it's so simple. So yes, do your homework, understand. And I love that you said about the, you know, getting into the company and learning some tidbits about the company before. I mean, for me as an example, I'm an executive at a company, so you can imagine how many pitches I get all day long of people coming to me because they feel I'm the decision maker. So they're going to try to sell me everything from phone systems to technology to what you name it, new banking opportunities, everything, right? But yet they have never, ever reached out to make a personal connection to me, ever, not once. And I'm sorry, we all know that it starts with no like, and trust, right? You want to do business with people that you know, like, and trust. And that relationship, it starts right from the beginning. And it doesn't even have, every, every long-term relationship starts somewhere. And it's on you to provide that value to start getting yeses, right? Yes doesn't mean you necessarily finish the job and yes, I'm ready to sign up. But yes is ju me just means you made it so now I want to ask you a question. Now I want to hear more. It's allowed it to where my mindset goes to a yes. And you know what? You actually do have something. You've done your homework. You're bringing it to, to me for value. And now I'm like, you know what? This is the right time. I was looking for a tr virtual training platform, you know, because we're now all virtual. That's good timing. But if you didn't do that homework, more than likely, it's just going to be, hey, I'm XYZ virtual training platform here. You know, let me let me give this to you. Absolutely not. I love that. All right. That is great. So prospecting. OK, is it a numbers game? Is it like what are your thoughts on this? Well, it, it kind of goes back to to the dumb cold calling. In in the past, uh, it, it, by the way, let me let me back up here. 
saying that prospecting is a numbers game falls into the category of this is why that I think sales has a negative perception by so many people because there are so many negative sayings and fake news, if you will, beliefs that have been attached and perpetuated over the years about sales. Mm -hmm. And even just the terms we use, a cold calling, getting past the screener, right? right? Uh, You've got to love rejection. Think about that one for a second. That's oh. almost emotionally impossible, isn't it? <laughs> and, and then sales is just a numbers game. You've probably heard this before, attached to that. For every no you get, yeah. you're that much closer to a yes. You've heard that in your career? Yes, career? very much. What a crock that is. <laughs> but I think they're just trying to make them feel better, right? I think that's all it is. If I took a two-headed coin and I flipped it 100 times, am I any closer to a tail on the 101st flip? No, because I'm doing the wrong thing to get the result that I'm looking for. So if I'm doing the wrong thing on my calls, if I'm saying the wrong things, I'm no closer to a yes just because I'm putting in the activity. That's like telling a basketball player, every time we get the ball, wherever you are on the floor, take a shot because it's just a numbers game. Oh. No, take a better shot. Take a quality shot. So prospecting is a quality game. We use numbers to measure activity, okay, and accomplishment at the end. Now, with that being said, putting in activity and quality activity are not mutually exclusive. I've had I've heard every single argument for over the years in the 10 years since the book first came out, the people who subscribe to the numbers game mentality, you got to hit the phone, make 100 dials. <laughs> Those people are numbers jockeys. They're normally reading reports saying, yeah. make more calls as opposed to, let me show you how to make better calls, right? So what, what we need to do is to make quality calls. And if you're worried about the time that it takes you to do research, I would suggest that you examine the time that you're wasting right. doing other things that are not directly contributing to producing revenue. And when we analyze those things, we're wasting a lot more time in the course of a day. And any call that you make that has some relevance to it based on research is always going to be better than the one that is just throwing it up against the wall, seeing what sticks. Agree. A hundred percent. So another, another thing that I have seen in my career, but I want your opinion on it. How important is it for the person that is selling a product, a service, whatever it is, to 100% be bought in to who they're representing. Because I've seen many variations. I've seen people that they, you know, it's in their blood. They absolutely just breathe and, and exhume that product to where they are so passionate. And then I've had other people that they're not bought into it at all, but yet they're very successful at selling it. So where do you, what do you think the, the answer is to that in terms of should you only effectively work on a sales team to something that you truly believe is for the greatest value for the person that you're, you know, giving it to prospecting? The latter. Okay. And when, when I give workshops, I always ask sales reps this. I say, how many of you believe you should be charging more for what you mm. sell. And if every hand doesn't go up, I ask them, why is that? Because if you don't, 
how in the world can you help someone buy into the fact that the value they're going to get is so much greater than the price? And that's how people make buying decisions. And then the other thing is, of course, there are people out there who don't believe in what they're selling and they might have some success at it. But is that any way to live? And are you really being genuine? Because you're not. You're lying to yourself and you're lying to the prospect and the customer. And I believe that selling professionally is helping people buy and helping them get what they want. And if we can't be totally sold on the value we're delivering, again, we're, we're lying to ourselves, we're lying to the customer. And to me, I mean, just ethically, that that is no way to live and that's no way to work. I think that's a great answer. And I truly believe that too, because people can, they can see through it. They know if you're 100% bought into the product or service that you're offering. And most of the time when you are, they want to be part of it because they feel that energy and they feel that connection and they honestly want to be part of that same thing. So yes, I, I totally agree with you. So curious your thoughts on this one. What do you think of the latest generation, the newest generation joining us? Because certainly I know, you know, my kids that are in their 20s certainly approach things different than I did when I was in my 20s. And I'm curious, do you think the salesperson of 2030, 2035, you know, do you, what do you think that looks like in comparison to people that have been doing it, you know, since the 90s or the early 2000s or that? Well, the thing is, is that the, I mean, humans and, and the way we think and, and operate, I mean, the human mind and, and psychology really hasn't changed for thousands of years, right? And people communicating with people will, will always be the most effective way to exist, Right. So I, I think that's always going to be there. The the, the technology around us is, is constantly evolving, but the most successful salespeople have always found a way to adapt and use the technology to complement what we do and not avoid what we should be doing. Because there are, we, we all know people who, again, avoid having human conversation and they hide behind the technology, whether right. it be texting or emailing or, you know, doing automated campaigns and all this stuff. But if you look at the most successful people out there, they're the ones who are still adept at having conversations. And we're recording this hopefully towards the end of the, the pandemic, and it's going to be around forever. So if you're listening to this a couple of years later, you, know, you can go look it up. Um, but what I have noticed in, in talking to sales managers, sales executives over the past couple of months, those that have had to, unfortunately, do fur furloughs and, and you know, lay right. people off, who do you think they laid off? They laid off the ones who were really not capable of having picking up the phone and having human conversations. The ones that they kept were the ones who had this skill of being able to pick up the phone, have a value proposition, uh, initiate the conversation, have the conversation, continue having the conversation, and not be, be deterred by the no's that they, they might receive. And I think if we fast forward 20 years, you're still going to have those skills that are going to be possessed by the people who, who are most successful. 
So I don't, I don't think that is going to change. Then again, I'm not a great prognosticator because I never thought that uh, mobile phones would were going to work. I, when they, when those first came out years ago, I said, "Why do people need to be that accessible?" So, <laughs> great track record on that. But I do, but I do agree with you that you know I I told you before we started that I started my entire career in telemarketing, and I know that the end of the day, no matter what position I ever was in, having the skills to communicate was always a strong suit. So regardless of what position you ever hold in your career, having that foundation and that strong point of being able to communicate and having that connection, it will take you through whatever path you go on. So absolutely, 100%. Yeah, and, and let me let me just go back. You you had mentioned the younger generation. It, it, it's interesting that sometimes the the younger generation gets a bad rap because people will say, well, they don't want to talk on the phone. They just want to text and they just want to email. Uh, you know, granted, there is some of that out there, but but I don't like to indict an entire generation because there are people, there yeah. are millennials, there are people just coming out of college that are absolutely crushing it At, in yep. inside sales right now. Because you're always going to have people who want to excel and they're, they're humans. They have the skills and they want to learn the skills. They want to refine those skills. And uh, I, I was just with some millennials a couple weeks ago, uh, high 20s, again, millionaires, absolutely crushing it. Awesome. And, and we can learn from them as well. I remember when, when that was me and I tried to look and, and sound older <laughs> and now here I am <laughs> and I'm admiring the people who, who are doing what I was doing uh, way back when. So, so young people out there, if, if you haven't really been using the phone up to this point, Hey, you can do it. And it's just a matter. Uh, and it's probably going to be easier for you to, to adopt these skills and ramp up more quickly than it was for those of us that didn't have all the technology way back in the day. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And and I'm enjoying that even in my industry. In my industry, I'm watching a lot of, you know, recent college graduates and, you know, coming into the mortgage industry and they're bringing such fresh perspective, you know, into our industry where they're coming out and they're spitfires and they're like, all right, I need to help my generation be able to get that first home and be able to know how to save and structure and make sure their credit is in powerful position. That's wonderful. And, and it's exciting. And I agree with you that all of this, uh, you know, it's, it's a great platform of combination of foundational skills added with the technology and, of course, the drive and passion to be able to accomplish anything they want. So that, that's fantastic. All right, Art, smart calling. Give us some tidbits. Give us some, you know, what I want my audience to all go out there and make sure that they get this book and tell us what are we going to learn by, by evaluating this. Well, what, what you're going to learn is a proven process that's mm-hmm. being used right now by hundreds of thousands of sales pros worldwide on how to... First of all, do what we need to do in order to prepare to put together a possible value proposition. Some people call it a value prop. Some people call it an elevator speech. I call it a possible value proposition because I will never know if it's truly going to be a value to you until I speak with you, right? right? But based on my research 
And what I know about my industry, what I know about you, I can maximize my chance that it's going to resonate with you. But I still call it possible value proposition. And so it, it's the, the steps that we need to take in advance to do our research, to set our objectives, to get our head in the right place, mm -hmm. because the tagline of the book is subtitle is eliminate the fear, failure and rejection. So how do we do that? Well, we go through how to do that because I, I firmly believe that in sales, about 90% of what we accomplish is due to this, how we feel when we're doing it. And that's got to be there. So, uh, but then again, from the, the logistic mechanical perspective, we go through the exact process. So where do I go to get information? What information am I looking for? How do I structure a possible value proposition? Then what we do is we plug that into our emails, our mm -hmm. LinkedIn in-mails, our voicemail, our interest creating opening statement, which is what we say in the first 10 seconds when we get a decision maker on the phone. And then what do we do in order to earn the right to stay on the phone, to mm -hmm. ask questions, to accomplish whatever my primary objective might be for this call. For some people, it might be set the appointment for a face-to-face -face meeting or another meeting. But I've always been of the opinion that if the music is still playing, let's stay on the dance right. floor. It always kills me when somebody says, well, the only purpose for a phone call is to uh, get the appointment. And my thought there is one of the hardest things to do in sales is to actually get somebody on the phone. That's right. So you're telling me that if I actually get somebody on the phone, I want to get off as quickly no. as possible. <laughs> no. <laughs> if I have you engaged, interested in answering questions, why would I stop that so that I can set up another call so no. we can do it again? Right. So and but again, if, if I do absolutely positively have to be out there face to face, which everybody's learning now that that isn't always necessary. Right. Um, but I, 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 I want to take that call as far as possible. Yep. And I mean, I have sold tens of millions of dollars of my own services without ever seeing somebody face to face. And it never really occurred to me that I would need to be there face to face to, right. to sell what I sell, because that's just, I mean, again, that's just a story that a lot of people tell themselves. So anyway, all, all throughout the book, it's, it's heavy on the how to, Okay, a lot of books out there are theory and big picture and there should do right? You should get to decision makers. You should ask good questions. You should create interest. But as a salesperson, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little slow sometimes. So I say, okay, how do I do that? Right. What do I say? <laughs> so we give you the what to say is I give you a proven process and you can, it's really kind of plug and play. You still have to do the work. So it's really not a book, Laura, that you, that you should just read. It's a book that you need to do. So it's, it's almost like a workbook, right? It's almost like you're, you're going to read it and then you're going to apply it to your particular business. At the end of every chapter we have what, what I call action steps. Okay. And I ask, and I ask readers or listeners, if you get the, the audible to what are you going to do as a result of this section? And I do have specific exercises mm -hmm. like here, we need to, we need to define what, what, what does our prospects world look like? What do they want as it relates to my type of product or service? What do they want to avoid as it relates to my type of product or service? What's going on in their world? What would make this a, a good prospect for me? What are they experiencing on an everyday basis? Because only until I understand that, am I going to be able to relate to them and structure my possible value so that it appeals to you 
and not just the same pitch that I give to everybody. And by the way, I hate the word pitch used outside of a baseball or softball context because it's pretty much one way yeah. me just puking out a presentation. Sorry to be graphic here right. if you're listening to this at breakfast. So <laughs> But it's true. I mean, you know, you think of all these these words and you're right. It's very one sided. Right. It's not a, it's not relational. It's not a win on both sides or it's not value on both sides. So you're correct. Once you make it about both parties, then it becomes a relationship. Absolutely. Okay. This has been wonderful. Art, I, I have to tell you, you, you've brought me back to my roots and, and I love that. Um, you know, it's something that is very near and dear to me and all of your insights and perspectives and advice, um, so on point. So I highly recommend everybody go out there and get smart calling because regardless of what industry you're in, regardless of what position you're in, I think everybody needs to understand how to be able to have these conversations over the phone and be able to build these relationships and understand it's not one-sided. There's two sides here. And I think it's a win for everyone. So thank you so much. So Art, how do people get Smart Calling? How do they follow you? How do they check everything out so that they can continue to see your insights? The the best way to get the book would be to go to the, the book site. I have a specific site for the book, which is Smart dashcalling.com smart-calling.com and there's buttons there for all the different places you can get the book and then here's the great part one of the great parts actually after you get the book there's another button there where I had so much I wanted to put into the book so many things and my publisher said no we can't make it a thousand pages and have audio and video in it so I put together a companion course and and resource library where oh, corresponding to and it's free absolutely free in every single chapter there are there, there's more content there's text there's scripts there's i, I put in webinars i put mm -hmm. in uh videos other things so that i mean if i charged for this i easily would have charged several hundred dollars mm -hmm. for it but it's all absolutely free after somebody gets the book so again smart-calling.com i have a podcast called the art of sales.com the art of sales.com and i think we well i mean the past episodes could be a, a sales training course in and of itself and my my blog, where you can access everything else we have, is just smart calling, all one word, smartcalling.com. So if anybody's interested in, in uh, more free material, as well as the other stuff I offer, including the, the personal training that I do and keynotes and all that, you'll see that information there. Oh, that is awesome. My goodness, you've given so much information and, and I'm sure everybody's going to take advantage of that. Thank you so much for your time. Wish you continue success. Be safe out there. We appreciate your time and all the best, Art. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's been an honor and uh, I appreciate everybody taking the time to listen today. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Positively Charged Biz. I'm Laura Brandeo, and we are here to motivate, inspire, and support our listeners as they write their life stories. If you have an inspiring story, please email me at laura at positivelycharged.biz. And remember to subscribe to hear more great guests. And connect to us on Facebook at Positively Charged and Instagram at Positively Charged Podcast. Until next time, we wish you a positive day.